0: Good morning. Let me invite you, if you would, to uh, open your Bibles uh, to two scripture passages today. We're going to look at a passage out of the Gospel of Mark, and then we're going to look at uh, a short passage out of uh, the um, the Letter of James. So, Mark 5, the end of that chapter, and then James 1, middle of that chapter. And as you arrive there, let me ask you to continue in a place of worship as we. Uh, seek to hear God's voice. Pray with me, please. Lord Jesus, thank you for being here already. Thank you for the joy of uh, children with their uh, uh, percussive eggs. Thank you for uh, being able to sing to you in languages that we don't know, but that you know. Thank you that you hear all of the tongues and languages around the world and that uh, we can stand in unity uh, together as your one global family worshiping you. Lord, uh, help us to not only uh, speak to you today, but help us to hear you today. Help us to listen well. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Mark chapter 5, and uh, we will begin. um, Let's look beginning at verse 40. We'll just read a couple of um, um, couple of verses. see. That's not what I want to do. Did I give? I think it is Matthew. Yeah. What what text am I using today? That would be a good thing to know. Nope, that's not it either. Here we go. Verse 30. That's what I want. Verse 30 of Mark 5. Mark chapter 5, right right chapter, right location, verse 30. Ready? Here we go. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, All of this crowd is pressing into you. How can you ask, Who touched me? Uh, But he kept looking around to see who had done it. Then, Uh, The frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You have been healed. And then if you would turn to James, of this I'm confident, chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to To get angry let me just read that verse one more time my dear brothers and sisters be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to get angry your anger can never make things right in god's sight so get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the message that god has planted in your hearts for it is strong enough to save your souls and remember it's a message to obey and not just to listen to if you don't obey you're only fooling yourself for if you just listen and don't obey, it's like looking at your face in a mirror but not doing anything to improve your appearance. You see, uh, uh, you see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you keep looking steadily into God's perfect law, the law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. We'll ask God to bless this reading, his holy and inspired word. Amen. Sometimes in the New Testament, we find uh, Jesus has sort of gathered the disciples around him, and he just seems to be inviting them to be in a place of resting, uh, almost a a place of being passive. He's caring for them. He's teaching them, and they're just receiving. They're just uh, absorbing whatever it is that Jesus is saying and doing. And then other times we see Jesus with his disciples, and Jesus is really deliberately provoking them to grow. Uh, He's stretching them. He's calling them uh, to do something different. And some seasons in the life of our congregation are seasons where we sit and rest. Uh, We just soak in God's goodness and God's grace and God's presence. We just receive from God. Uh, We just let God minister to our souls. And there are some seasons where that's an appropriate and a good thing to do. And then there are other seasons in the life of our church that are intended for us to stretch a little bit. They're intended for us to grow. And so uh, um, what I want to say to you this morning is this. Choose to grow in this season. Choose to grow. Make a deliberate decision that you are going to stretch, that you're going to to, to grow. And this season, as we're focusing on generous relationships, in particular, think about uh, the relationships Uh, In your life where you would like to see your own capacity to follow Jesus into those relationships, be challenged and to grow. And in order to do that, uh, I'm inviting you to choose to engage in this season uh, with a different level of intensity, with a different level of commitment, uh, with a different level of practicing, not just hearing, but doing the Word. Choose to grow choose to bring intensity, choose to bring an energy and a commitment uh, to this work of growing uh, in generous relationships. And one way to do that as we make our way through this series uh, is not only to think about all of the different components of the series that you can engage in, but also to be thinking about one or two specific relationships in your life. To be thinking about one or two relationships, one or two places in your life where you know uh, that there's a gap between the person that Jesus is calling you to be in that relationship and the person that you actually are in that relationship. Uh, and, and, and to think about uh, how, how can you stretch, how can you, grow? how can you choose to grow into that relationship in a new way. And this is going to be particularly true uh, today when we talk about uh, uh, following Jesus as being a good listener. Uh, who do you need to listen to? Who's hard for you to listen to? Where are you not listening at all? Uh, where can you choose to grow as a listener? The story is told of uh, Franklin Roosevelt, uh, who, when he was president, uh, reported that he often endured long receiving lines at the White House, and these lines could go on and on and on and on. And on. And uh, uh, he often had the impression that nobody was actually listening to a word that he was saying. So uh, he decided one day to run an experiment. He um, was shaking hands with everybody as they went by, and every time he shook somebody's hands, he leaned in and he said, I killed my grandmother this morning. <laughs> killed my grandma this morning. Off to grandma this morning. She's no longer with us. Off my grandmother this morning. And everybody in the line went through. This whole long line goes through. And everybody just looks and says, oh, we're so proud of you. Uh, keep up the good work. Uh, you're a blessing to our country. Uh, we're behind you. And uh, every, and no, nobody heard a word that he said, and he, and, and he was sort of uh, becoming uh, increasingly dismayed. And then the ambassador to uh, Bolivia came through, and the ambassador to Bolivia leaned in, shook his hand, and he said his line, uh, killed grandma this morning, and uh, the ambassador uh, wasn't phased at all, and he leans in, he said, well, I'm sure she had it coming, right? <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> and I don't know if that's good politics or not, but... Um, So that story always makes me think about the long line of people that parade through our lives every single day. I think about the long line of people that parade through our lives, all of the words that get exchanged, all of the sounds, all of the noise, and I wonder who's listening. Uh, All of the people whose life I go into each day. Uh, Who am I listening to? Uh, Where where do I show up and listen? Who are the listeners? And one of the things that we want to say this morning is, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you want to be generous in relationships, you want to follow Jesus into your relationships, then you are. You're the listener. Uh, You're the one in the line who comes up and leans in and actually hears what's being said. We see this in two places this morning. Uh, We see this, first of all, in this text in James, where James tells us to be quick to listen, but slow to speak. That we're to be quick to listen, but slow to speak. And then we see this uh, story in the life of Jesus. It's one of just many, many, many examples of the life of Jesus, where we see Jesus as a listener. So I want to begin with you this morning and think about the story of Jesus for just a moment and see Jesus as a listener. And then secondly, I want to think with you about our own listening. And thirdly, uh, to listen to James for some insight in how we can grow in this generous act of listening well. So those are, that's our roadmap today. So first of all, uh, the story in the life of Jesus. Listen for just a moment to the story that, that Jesus is living into. Uh, imagine the scene with me. Uh, imagine the scene here in the Gospel of Mark. Tammy and I um, recently uh, found ourselves um, sort of unexpectedly in uh, Frankenmuth, in the middle of a car show. Have you ever been to the car show in Frankenmuth? Oh my word. Uh, If you're not intending to go there, that's not the time and the place to go to Frankenmuth for some chicken. That's not the time to do that. So here we are, and we're walking down the street, and the whole street and the sidewalks are absolutely packed with vehicles, absolutely packed with people. And it seemed as if I couldn't go more than three steps without somebody brushing into my shoulder or uh, knocking into uh, 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 Tammy, or uh, uh, stopping suddenly to look at a car, and we have to swerve and veer out of the way. Uh, there's this constant sense of uh, uh, bustling and, and, and jostling and maneuvering. It's just a packed place. And in my mind's eye, when I think about the street in Capernaum that Jesus is on uh, at this, in this uh, story, that's the image that comes to my mind. Uh, that this, this uh, hot, dry, dusty uh, road in Capernaum is packed with people who have come out to see the spectacle of Jesus. They're uh, bustling, they're maneuvering, they're trying to get to a place where they can see. Maybe they have something to say, a question that they want to pose, but there's a lot of chaos that is happening. And it's into this scene that Jesus, for whom the previous 24 hours has been absolutely exhausting, into this scene that Jesus suddenly is dropped. For the last 24 hours, Jesus has had a whirlwind of activities going on in his life. Uh, 24 hours ago, he spent a whole day teaching a crowd of people. Now, if you have ever stood, if you're a teacher, if you're a presenter, if you're a trainer, if you've ever been in front of a crowd of people, uh, you know that it is an exhausting experience. Uh, After preaching a, a short short sermon, just a short sermon like you're about to experience today. I go home exhausted. It's draining uh, to stand in front of a group of people. And Jesus doesn't have a PA system. He doesn't have air conditioning and climate control and and a nice little uh, cup of water. He, He doesn't have any of those things. He's teaching all day long. And then he goes out into a boat and he gets caught in a storm at sea. Uh, his nap gets interrupted, and his disciples think they are about to die, and they wake up in an absolute panic, and he's called on to calm the storm. And then they land at a dark shore uh, in a in a foreign land, and it's after dark, and they find that they're at a graveyard, and out of this graveyard comes a demonic-possessed man uh, screaming and shrieking at them. With He's naked, and he has chains, and he's bloody, and and his hair is all knotted and this ferocious demon possessed man comes down after them and then after dealing with that situation here comes another crowd out of the village now this is a crowd of you know uh, the, the 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 demons and that man go into the herd of pigs and the pigs go off the, the hillside into the ocean and uh, all of the uh, the the um, the angry people who have just seen their pork investments vanish before their eyes come out of the town this This is a a mildly threatening, somewhat angry, uh, shocked, befuddled crowd pressing in on Jesus, wanting to know what just happened to all of their hogs. Jesus gets back into the boat. He rows again across to the other side of the sea. Jesus is operating here in this story with high levels of adrenaline. He is absolutely maxed out. He has had one intense experience after another, and he has almost no sleep. High levels of adrenaline, sleep deprivation, and then he's now stepping into another crowd here in Capernaum. In Frankenmuth that day, uh, our only hurry was um, that we were hungry. Okay, I was hungry, and trying to get to our restaurant. I was a little hangry, right? And uh pulling a little bit and moving a little bit, and I wasn't experiencing a whole lot of gentle, loving patience around for the people around. Uh, but Jesus is rushing, not because he's trying to get to his chicken dinner, but Jesus is rushing because in verse 21, Jairus has just come to him and has just said, Jesus, my daughter is dying. My daughter is near death, and you're our last and only hope. And so this frantic, Desperate, terrified father is pulling on Jesus' arm, dragging him through the crowd to come and save his daughter's life. In the midst of all of that, someone brushes against Jesus' robe. (laughs) And there's some divine power that ignites. Something happens... And Jesus stops and he says, who touched me? And the disciples are incredulous. The disciples are also hangry. They're also exhausted. Their nerves are fried. And Jesus is asking a ridiculous question. Who touched you? Who hasn't touched you? Jairus hasn't taken his hands off of you. Uh, People are bumping into you all of the time. I just tripped over your shoe. Everybody is touching you. What do you mean who touched me? And Jesus doesn't give up. And his eyes keep darting through the crowds. Who touched me? Who was it? And this woman knows that Jesus isn't going to give up. And so she comes forward. And with a little fear and a little bit of excitement, she says, it was me. And then in the original language, in verse 35, the original language says, "She told him her whole truth." In other words, she told him her whole story. Jesus listens to her story. Uh, she tells him the whole. That's how Mark knows the details of this woman's life. That's how it is that the gospel writer can record all of the details of everything that happened in the, in the life of this woman up to the moment that she has this encounter with Jesus on that Capernaum road. Uh, Mark knows the the details and he shares the details because somehow it registers in Mark's mind that this is an important story. Mark's gospel has the fewest number of verses of any of the gospels. It's the most sparse. It's it's driven towards action and not narration. It's not rich with character development. It's an active, moving, uh, quick-paced gospel. And Mark takes 10 whole verses to tell the story of this woman. He heard the story too. Jesus stops and listens to her whole story. The crowds are swirling around. Jairus is still pulling and pleading and tugging. My daughter is dying. Jesus never takes his eyes off this woman. He hears her. He hears the story of the last 12 years. Do I dare to get my hopes up? And then the bleeding starts again. The hemorrhage won't subside. He hears the story about the endless series of doctor's appointments, everybody promising that they have the cure and they know what's wrong and they're going to solve the problem. And every time it's only more bad news. He hears her. He hears the desperation. He hears the fear. He hears all of it. And in all of that, he also hears her faith. And he says, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Disciples of Jesus, the apprentices of Jesus, uh, we, we, we aren't called to just simply learn the words that Jesus says we're also called to learn to do what Jesus does. And for me and for many of us, what that means in this story is learning to listen to the whole story. Learning to listen to all of someone's story. One day, a, uh, an old man was out taking a walk along a country lane, he was walking with his dog and his mule. And suddenly a truck comes careening around the corner and knocks the man and the dog and the mule into a ditch. The man uh, finally comes uh, to his senses and eventually decides that he's going to sue the driver of that truck for all of the damages that he caused. So... The lawsuit unfolds, and eventually the old man finds himself in the witness chair in the courtroom. And the attorney for the driver of the truck steps up and says, I want you to just simply answer one question for me, yes or no? At the time of the accident, you said you were perfectly fine, yes or no? And the man sat back, and he said, well, I was out for a walk with my mule and my dog, and, out of, and the attorney interrupts him. Because this is what they do. They say, no, no, don't tell me, just tell me, yes or no. At the time of the accident, you said you were perfectly fine. Answer my question. The man sat back and said, my dog, my mule, and I were out for a walk on this country road. And the attorney again interrupts him and says, yes or no. You said you were perfectly fine. And the man starts another time to tell his story. Finally, the judge says, obviously, this man has something to say. Let the man tell his story. So the old man begins again. He says, me and my dog and my mule were out for a walk on the country road. This truck came around the corner, careened, and knocked us all into the ditch. The driver of the truck hopped out of the truck, went over to my dog, and saw that my dog was terribly injured. He went back to his truck and got his shotgun and shot my dog. Then he walked over to my mule and he saw that my mule had a broken leg. And so he loaded another round and shot my mule. And then he walked over to me and said, so how are you? And I said, I'm perfectly fine. (laughs) I'm glad you're here today. I'm I'm so glad. I'm really glad you're here today. That's it. When we only hear part of the story, when we only hear part of the story, we end up with a very different perspective. Most of our human listening puts us into that category, though. Most of us can only hear part of the story. Uh, Experts tell us that we can only listen for three to nine seconds before we stop listening and begin responding. Three to nine seconds that we listen to somebody's story under normal circumstances before we stop listening and the little voice in our head starts to respond to what we're hearing. I have a quick video that will illustrate uh, a little bit about what that looks like. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And... I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. If you would just don't. (laughs) Try to see things my way. are you have experienced a conversation like that at some point in your life. It's about the nail. It's not about the nail. I want to fix your problem. I don't want you to fix my problem. And the the thing that's fascinating to me about this little video is that neither one was really hearing the whole story from the other. Uh, She uh, was trying to express to him a, a, a part of her story that he just couldn't hear. She was saying, it isn't about the nail. What I really need, my deepest need, my deepest longing is to be connected and to be valued and to know that you're with me. And she couldn't hear that he had a really helpful perspective. Neither one could hear the whole truth. They were both only hearing part of the story. Generous listening where we're quick to listen and slow to speak isn't about a technique. It's about a heart change that allows me to stay with another person and hear their whole truth. I'm convinced that so much of our listening instead is filtered through our need to control, our need to preserve our comfort, or our need to look good. And so we protect ourselves in that listening. We begin to tune out what everybody else is saying. We begin to formulate our response to what we're hearing. Uh, Maybe we have our argument that we're getting lined up. We have our rebuttal. We have our fix to the solution. Or we just outright interrupt the person speaking. We have a need to protect, to control, to look good. And when we're threatened by what we hear, when we're upset by what we hear, when we're challenged by what we hear, we protect ourselves and we stop listening. We somehow have come to believe that uh, if we listen, it means that we agree with everything that the person is saying. Or if we listen, then we might have to change. Or if we listen, we might end up looking bad. Or if we listen, we might have to admit a mistake. In other words, we will follow Jesus into our relationships only right up to the point where we have to give up control. James helps me to see this when he talks about being quick to listen. And then, in a fascinating connection, he puts being quick to listen to each other right next to being quick to listen to God. And and he says this, our listening to others will be a reflection of how we listen to God. Uh, When we listen to God with humility, he says, when we listen to God with an openness to change, when we listen to God with a, 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 a willingness to be different, to make an adjustment. In other words, uh, when we listen to God from the perspective of being willing to give up control, uh, then our listening becomes transformative. On the other hand, he says there's a way that we can listen to God and never, ever give up control. We can listen to God and never adjust and never change and never repent. And the heart change that allows me to listen to God in a way that is open to his correction and open to his word uh, is all about humility, says James. It's all about having a heart of humility. Anybody here who's ever done the Discipleship Essentials book has studied uh, in your triad Psalm 1. Psalm 1 uh says that the mark of a godly person is that they delight in the law of God and they meditate on God's law day and night. Uh, it's the same word for law that James uses here in chapter 1, uh, this idea of being responsive to the law of God. And when, when James uses the idea of the law of God and when, when uh, uh, the psalmist in Psalm 1 uses the idea of the law of God and, and when Jesus uses the idea of the law of God, they aren't just talking about the Ten Commandments, What they're talking about uh, the totality of the character of God that gets communicated in all of God's Word, and what the psalmist is saying and what James is saying is that when, when we are open to what God is saying to us, uh, when we delight in the words that God is speaking to us, what that means is that 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 we love to have God tell us how to live. Uh, that that we're people who love. Uh, to hear God's word speaking into our life and telling us how to live. In other words, it's not just that uh, I come to the Bible and I sort of page through it and I say, I like that and that looks good and I'll have one of those. I don't believe in that and I'm not comfortable with that and, and I don't want to go there. It isn't that we page through the Bible and pick and choose what we want. But rather, uh, but it, it's the other way around. It's it's that God's word comes to us and and the Bible is actually up here looking down at me and the Bible is paging through my life and God's word is is scanning through my heart and through my mind and and, and, and saying, I like that and that's good and I'm not a fan of that and that's not good and that has to go and that has to be adjusted and I become subject to and humbled by the word of God in my life. Psalm 1 says that the mark of a God-changed heart is that you like, you love, you delight in having God tell you how to live. That's the humility to listen to God. To not just hear and walk away, but to let it in. It's no accident that James puts our listening to each other right next to our listening to God. And it isn't surprising that our discipleship life, even the discipleship life that invites us to follow Jesus into our relationships, will always bring us to places where we are invited to die to ourselves. We're invited to die to ourselves. And sometimes listening well feels like I'm going to die. I'm invited to follow Jesus into my relationship, to a place of listening well, even to the point of dying to myself, knowing that on the other side of death, there's healing and there's life and there's resurrection. That's what it takes to become a listener. Uh, Somebody who, even in a chaotic crowd, hungry, exhausted, stressed, can lock eyes and pay attention and listen to the whole story. That's what, it becomes to, that's what it means to become a listener who has a knee-jerk response not to talk, not to fix, not to rebut, not to argue, not to say, yes, but, well, no. But the knee-jerk response is, tell me more. I want to hear your whole story. Generous relationships. The humble heart as we follow Jesus and open ourselves to God's word. Will you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the ways that you speak to us. We thank you for the life that your words bring. Lord, we do ask that you would help us to hear you uh, from a place of humility, from a place of openness, that we would listen to your words, that we would delight, that we would uh, thrill to hear you tell us how to live. And Lord, birth in us the grace and the humility as we do that to listen well to one another. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.